ובהקמה דף ל"ט נו משנה שור של פיקח שנגח שור של חרש שוטה וקטן חייב ושל חרש שוטה וקטן שנגח שור של פיקח פטור. If an ox that is owned by a competent uh, person uh, gores an ox that's owned by a deaf person, someone who's not mentally competent or a minor, the, that of the competent person, he has to pay. He caused damage and he is fully responsible because he's be competent, so certainly he has to pay. Uh, they're just uh, on the receiving end, so that doesn't stop them. They have ownership, right? Can own property, so, and if their property is damaged, then they need to get paid. But the other way around, if the ox that belongs to someone that is incompetent because they're deaf and they, in those days they didn't know how to teach deaf people, so uh, they were not mentally all there, or someone who's uh, just generally mentally not competent, or a minor who's not yet old enough to be responsible. So these people are not held responsible for their actions, and not even for their own actions, and certainly not for the actions of their uh, property and for their ox. And therefore, if their ox goes and gores someone, they do not have to pay. שור של חרש שוטבק קטן שנגח, בית דין מעמידים להן אפוטרופוס ומעידים להם בפני אפוטרופוס. An ox that belongs to a חרש שוטבק or קטן that gores someone, the בית דין will appoint for them a steward and who will be responsible for their affairs and the tester and the witnesses come and testify in front of that a steward and then they will right it doesn't say explicitly but presumably then they will have to pay um, because although they are at so let's say it's a minor and is not responsible for his own affairs but this adult who's uh, who is responsible for uh the this uh, the minor's property he has to take responsibility and if it requires safeguarding or whatever so he will pay the Gemara will note that these two paragraphs seem to contradict because this one seems to say that um, they are, don't have to pay, uh, whereas this paragraph seems to say that they appoint a steward and then the, um, the, uh, their property, they would have to pay from their property. Or maybe the apotropos has to pay. That we'll get into as well. All right, so we'll, we'll solve that in a, in a minute. Let's say someone was deaf when their ox scored and three times and they became a short muad. Or uh, and, and then and then they got better. Or uh, someone was not mentally competent and his short uh, his his ox scored and became a mu'ad, and so presumably best because they appointed a steward over it and became a mu'ad, but then he got better. Or he was a minor when it gored three times and became a mu'ad, and then um, he, the, the child became an adult. Once, this per, the person, once they become an adult, the ox that they own goes back to its original status and is not Mu'ad anymore, is now Tam according to Rabbi Meir. Uh, the reason seems to be that, um, that the ox will uh, act better when its owner is in control of it. So maybe it was only Mu'ad and acting violently because it didn't have an owner, even if it has a steward, but the steward is not as, uh, as uh, close to the animals and as 
careful with them and uh, taking care of them. Maybe the animal, um, you know, is acting out. You know, like it's uh, when a uh, when the teacher is there, the kids are all uh, all behaving. Uh, but when a sub comes in, then they're not so careful with the they they mis they um, uh, act disrespectfully to the substitute teacher. So maybe it's something like that when the actual owner is not around. So then. The animal acts in a, a wild way, even under the apotropos. But when the this per the original owner becomes uh, sane or becomes an adult, then they will act better. So therefore, the it goes back to being a short time, according to the bimeir. The says no. It remains whatever it was before, and if it became a muad. While the owner was a child, it remains a mu'ad even when it grows up. Uh, the ox is not going to make, not going to change. It's inherent in the ox's personality uh, that it is mu'ad, and it doesn't matter what the status of the owner is. The last law of the Mishnah is that a stadium ox. This is an ox that is used to perform in a stadium for ox fights, and they, if it goes and gores and kills a person, normally an ox that kills a person out in the street, uh, you have to bring bring it to court. Um, you judge it in court and uh, you give it the death penalty. Uh, but this one you do not. Why? Because the Pasuk says, if an ox gores, that means it went on its own and became very wild and it gored and killed an animal. But not if it's induced to gore. The ones in the stadium, uh, the people running the show, would in instigate and they would uh, sometimes harm the animal to get it all uh, angry and riled up, and then it would go. So really, it's not the animal's nature um, uh, to uh, be so violent and, uh, and to um, kill someone. It's the people that incited it to do so. So therefore, it does not deserve the death penalty. All right, Gemara says, Hagufa Kashya. Uh, the first two paragraphs of this Mishnah seem to contradict. Amart Shorshel Cheres Shoteve Katan Shenagach Shorshel Pekeach Patur Alma En Maamidin Apotropos Letam Ligbot Migufo. From the first clause, that says that an ox of uh, someone who is not competent, that gores that of someone who is competent, they do not have to pay, right? Because they're not responsible themselves. And it seems from here that we do not appoint a steward um, over a short time that such that you would have to, um, that, such that you would collect from the um, uh, value of the goring animal. Uh, reason seems to be that this is just a fine, and apotropos generally is not going to um, have the authority to take money uh, from the as a steward from the from the uh, orphans, the minors, um, as uh, as an apotropos. Okay, so there's just various reasons given here. Okay, so uh, but the, so the first clause anyway. The point is that. The minor, I'm using an example of a minor, but the same as Choresh and Shoteh, a minor does not have to pay at all, and there's no apotropos appointed. But look at the second paragraph, Ema Sefa, Shor Shel Choresh Shoteh Katan Shenagach, Be'etin Ma Midin Lahem Apotropos, Midin Lahem Bifnei Apotropos, Alma Me'imidin Lahem Apotropos Letam Ligbot Migufo. The second clause says, says, it seems to be the same exact case, that an ox that gores, 
uh, an axe of a minor that gores, Betin will appoint uh, an apotropos, and then the witnesses to the event will come and testify in front of the steward who is um, uh, stands in for the owners. And that would sound like um, they we do appoint an apotropos, and therefore when they come and testify, hey, this uh, ox that was Tam gored, then they uh, they would have to pay. Uh, from the value of the goring animal. So they would have to pay. Well, which one is it? Rava explains as follows. The first two, these first paragraphs are going in chronological order. The first paragraph says that when it gores, let's say, a first time, so they do not pay and there's no steward there, and even the second time and third time. However, once this the ox of this miner gores three times, and again, witnesses don't come because there's no one on the other side to come and uh, to bet in because they're miners, but if we see that it already is goring many times, it has a chazaka, then, then the bet in will appoint a steward and then bring the, uh, the witnesses to those events and say, listen, it gored once, twice, three times, not to make him pay, right? They still, the Potropos will still not have to pay for the damage when it was Tam, but rather the point of this whole thing is to now make it a Mu'ad, such that if it would gore a fourth time, then the Potropos would have to, uh, would be responsible to pay uh, a full amount and even from superior qual- quality land. Uh, so that's the first two paragraphs. Uh, the first one indeed is without apotropos. Uh, the miners are not responsible for the actions of their short tam, and we don't even have to appoint apotropos, right? Just too bad. And however, if this is a regular pattern, then once it gored enough times that it can become a mu'ad, so then we bring we bring the witnesses, we bring the apotropos, it becomes a mu'ad, and then they will be liable. All right, good. So now we understand the first two paragraphs very well. Uh, next question is, this l'shalim aliyah ma'aliyat man, who is responsible for paying for the damage of the shor mu'ad of a minor, right? We got, short time doesn't pay. Shor mu'ad does pay, because uh, uh, you got an apotropos, but who's, who's responsible? Rabbi Yochanan Amar me'aliyat yetomin. Rabbi Yosef Barchanina Amar me'aliyat apotropos. Rabbi Yochanan says the apotropos will be responsible to extract the money from the estate of the minors. And so it's their money that has to pay. It's their ox, and so their land will be given over to the nizak. The Biosa, however, says, no, the steward himself has to pay from his own property. He was responsible to make sure that these animals would not uh, gore, and if he is a delinquent in his responsibility, then he's responsible to pay. Um, okay, now the question, did the Biochanan really say that we make the orphans pay from their own money? On land? We have the following machloket, uh, where Rav Yehuda, in the name of Rav Aseh, says, we do not go and take the property of orphans, except in the case of interest. 
that's, uh, that's eroding their estate. Um, if, let's say, a father had borrowed money from a non-Jew uh, with interest, and now he died, and the estate goes to the Yetomim, and now you have, you have a steward who is in charge of it, and now they're paying an interest payment, right, every month. They're paying a lot of money. So now you're going to wait till, let's say, the kid is five years old, you're going to wait till it becomes an adult, and the whole time you're going to be paying interest, well, this is going to erode the estate. So we can't let this go on. And therefore, the steward has um, uh, authorization to pay the entire debt up front from the property, so that they will not have to pay. Um, the, they will not have to pay interest. But that's it. That's all he can do. And other things like you know, paying for uh, damage, um, that you know, wait, wait till he's an adult, and then he'll pay you for that. Um, but the steward does not extract money from that. That is according to Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yochanan Amar, all ishtar sheyesh boribit, all ichtubat isha mishumizone. Rabbi Yochanan um, adds another exception to the rule. He agrees that we, the steward is authorized to take the um, property um, of the orphan to pay for a loan document that's recorded uh, in writing uh, in order, that has interest because you don't want to erode the property um, by waiting by by paying interest the whole time. That's one he agrees with, and he adds another one to pay a, a ketubah of the wife um, uh, because of sustenance. The law of ketubah is that as long as she does not collect the the major amount of the ketubah, the estate is responsible to provide for the widow, uh, food, clothing, shelter, um, as long as as long as she's around. And so this will be a regular payment, a daily payment um, that is going to come from the estate. However, if they pay the lump sum, whatever is written in the ketubah, right, the, the, the basic, uh, the full amount, whatever the basic amount is, 100 or 200 plus, whatever additional is, uh, is said there, if they pay the lump sum, then they say, okay, here's it, here's your ketubah payment, and then we're done, and they don't have to pay it pay anything else and she has to pay for her own sustenance from that lump sum payment. And so therefore this is similar to the beat case. And here also we're not going to say that the uh, state is going to pay for her sustenance all you know all these years. Again, if the kid's five years old and she's going to be taking money every day, so then that's going to erode the estate. Instead, the apotropos uh, is authorized to uh, pay the entire ketubah, one lump sum, and that, therefore it will not erode further the estate. So the Biochanan adds only this, but that's it. He says for other payments, no, we cannot take from the estate. So that would mean that in terms of uh, the nizikin, that you, the, uh, the steward is not authorized to take the estate to pay for damages done by the uh, ox of the yatom. And so this is in contradiction to the Biochanan statement here that says if there is a shor mu'ad, uh, we appoint a steward, and if it goes and goes again, then they, 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 uh, the steward is authorized to take from the best land of the yatom to pay for the damage. But here he says, no, there's only two exceptions, and that's not, Nizikin is not one of them. So we have a couple of answers. Number answer number one is Ipuch. Maybe we got the order, the, uh, the, the, the opinions wrong, and we have to switch them around. In fact, Rabbi Yochanan is the one that says that we uh, pay, that the apotropos, steward has to pay from his own money, and it is Rabbi Yosef Barchanina, he said that you pay from the orphan. So now there's no contradiction.
contradiction to Rabbi Yohanan. He is consistent. You do not take from the money of the orphans only for those two things and not for Nizikin. Apotropos, you should have been more careful with this animal to make sure it wouldn't gore. Okay, so now we saved Rabbi Yohanan, but now we got Rabbi Yoseh Bar Chanina. We ascribe to him the more problematic uh, response. So Rava doesn't like that. That's a good question. Because you have a question, a challenge against Rabbi Yochanan, you have that contradiction uh, between two statements of Rabbi Yochanan. So now, fine, you save Rabbi Yochanan, but now you're going to give um, the mistaken uh, opinion, that one that we don't like, to Rabbi Yosef Bar Chanina. We know about him. He has a great reputation of being a judge who goes into the depths of the complexities of the law. Right? And so he really knows what he's talking about, especially regarding civil law and monetary matters. And so you're going to ascribe to him this uh, law that is uh, problematic. So therefore, we don't we don't want to say that the Biosea said that. You know what? Leave the uh, opinions as they were before. In fact, the Biosea Bar Chanina, the great judge, he says that um, the, uh, pot, the he says that the apotropos has to pay, and Rabbi Yochanan is in fact the one that says we extract from money from the yetomin. Umazik shane and mazik is exceptional. We certainly cannot have a situation where nobody pays for such damages, because then you're going to have oxen going around, even shun mo'ad, and uh, say, oh well, they're miners, and they're just going to continue to do that, and no one to stop them. So certainly someone has to pay, and so who's going to pay? Rabbi Yochanan amar maliat yet. So Rabbi Yochanan says that you're going to have to take the money from the best land of the Yetomim. Because if you take the money from the Apotropos, and maybe by rights that it should, because he was the one that was negligent as a steward of the property and of the uh, oxen. But if you do that, then nobody will ever want to be a steward. Like why why take upon yourself that uh, financial responsibility? Right, you're trying to help out and help out some orphans, but then something goes wrong. You have to pay from your own property, so then you're exposing yourself to uh, a lot of liability. And so therefore, really, maybe it should be an apotropos, but and no one will want to be such a steward, and therefore, um, it has to be that we take from the yetomim. And so, in fact, we saw two exceptions to the rule where we take from the property of yetomim, and mazik is another one. Um, he didn't list them because it's not within the realm of the, he was talking about um, uh, examples, not within the realm of Nizikin, but Nizikin also is something that certainly someone has to pay and Apotropos is not going to want to pay, so you have to take it from the Yetomim so that there'll be consequences and a deterrent for further actions by such oxen. Rabbi Yoseh Bar Chanina Amar Me'aliyat Apotropos V'chozrin V'nifra'in Min Ha'yetomim Lechi Gadleh Rabbi Yoseh Bar Chanina says, no, you take it from the Apotropos because we're not authorized to go and take from the property of the orphans while they're young. Oh, however, the apotropos, don't worry about him. He will go ahead and get paid back from the orphans when they grow up, right? Once they grow up, the apotropos listens. Says, Listen, a few years ago, you went five, you were five years old, your ox uh, uh, went and caused damage, uh, your shod mo'ad, 
and I had to pay uh, out of pocket because I wasn't yet authorized to take from you, uh, but it was in fact your ox, and therefore you are responsible. And uh, so now that you're an adult, now now you are responsible to pay me back. And so now Potipos would be willing to be such because even though he has to pay out of pocket, but he'll get the money back eventually. And so that's the uh, that's the better way to go, and that explains their machloket. Now the Gemara adds a further explanation. And that which we said before, that according to the Mishnah, um, a shod that is owned by a uh, a minor or someone incompetent, they, they do not have to pay. You do not appoint a, uh, a potropos to pay as a tam. You will appoint a potropos after it does a few times, and then in order to make it a mo'ad, you need a steward, so they will testify in front of the steward and then it becomes mu'ad and then if it goes again there the payment has to be made as a mu'ad but the um the short of a minor does not pay as when it's tam and we do not appoint for them an apotropos that's how we explain the mishnah and now we're going to point out that this, in fact, is um, a, a subject to a machloket tanaim. And now Mishnah is only giving you one of two opinions as follows. De tanya. Shor shenit charshu be'alav. Vishenish tatu be'alav. Vishalchu be'alav limedinatayam. Yudam en nakosa mar sumchus. Harehu betamuto. Achiaidu bo bifnea be'alim. Achamim omerim. Mamidin lahen apotropin. Umidin bahem. If we have an ox that belongs to someone who became deaf, or someone who became uh, insane, or someone where the owner left on a, on a trip and he's not around. So according to Yudah ben Akosa, in the name of Sumchus, um, it remains as a tam until, it, until, the, until witnesses can come and testify in front of the owner, meaning until the owner comes back. Uh, back to sanity or back to the country. Um, but as long as there is no competent owner, uh, the witnesses do not testify, right? So you see uh, that uh, sounds from here that there is no payment given. Chachamim, uh, however, say that if we the owner is not around or not competent, then the betin will appoint an apotropos for them, and the witnesses that saw it gore will come and testify in front of them. And it sounds like that they will have to pay um, uh, and we're going to prove in a second that this is all talking about a tam. Now, the second half of the same beraita is If the um, deaf owner now regained his hearing, or the insane owner became sane, or there was a minor and he got bigger. You see, the minor, it doesn't mention the minor here because you can't have an adult that becomes a child, um, but you can have a child that becomes an adult. So here we're here, we're talking about places where there is an owner, is a competent owner, but then it was gone. Um, so uh, you, can't, you can't use a minor for that. But in this example, where we're talking about cases where there was no competent minor, but now there is, so now you can include this. Okay, or the, the owner was absent, but now we return. Now there is an owner. What do we do then? So according to Yudab and Akos, the name of Sumchus, if it was Mu'ad, 
It goes back to being Tom, and it will remain Tom until witnesses come uh, now and uh, and say, oh, it gore, it gore three times, and then it will become a Mu'ad. Um, but it resets and um, and uh, is no longer Mu'ad, even though it gored when it was away, and there was a steward that made it, uh, that um, was appointed, and they testified in front of the steward and became Mu'ad, but now when the owner comes back, it goes back to being Tam, and new witnesses will have to come to make it Mu'ad again. Rabbi Yoseh, however, says it remains Mu'ad if it became Mu'ad when the owner was away, and they testified in front of the steward, it keeps that same um, uh, status, and this is the same as the Machloket we saw in the Mishnah, where Sumchus is the same as Rabbi Meir, and Rabbi Yoseh is the same as Rabbi Yoseh, because that's the same person. All right, now let's analyze. Amru, mai harehu betamuto. What does that mean over here, where it says that um, if the owner is away or not competent, it remains tam, tekamar sumchus. Ile madela mi'ayed kelal, hamedikatani sefa chazal tamuta miklal de iya'ad. If you say that they, the witnesses, that does not be, it does not become mu'ad at all, right? It remains tam, no matter what happens, it remains tam, even if a gore is 100, times um, while the owner is away. If you think that's what it means, that can't be because in the Sefa, where Sumchus also is uh, giving his opinion, it says, if it was um, Mu'ad, then it goes back to being Tam when the owner comes back. So obviously there is some way that it can become a Mu'ad even when the owner is away. So Harehu betam muto cannot possibly mean that it remains Tam forever. It has to mean that Witnesses will, in fact, come and make it uh, and declare it Mu'ad. No, it means that it remains whole such that we do not reduce its value in payment for any of the gorings that it did while it was a tam. So you see, this is actually the same as the Tanakhama, the, the, the same as our Mishnah. As opinion, uh, because it, we're, we're saying that, listen, if it gores once, twice, three times, we don't do anything when the, there's a, let's say it's a minor or the owner is away. We don't do anything at all and nobody has to pay. That's the law. Um, and so, because if you did have to pay, it would reduce from the value. Let's say you gored and were $10 worth of, uh, of damage. So then you'd have to, you know, sell or reduce the value of the animal from that much. No, we don't reduce the value. No one pays. However, there is still a mechanism for it to become Mu'ad, which is, if it gores three times, then we appoint a steward, even according to the Mishnah, even according to Sumchos, and the, test and, the, and the witnesses will come and say, it gored three times, such that it will be a Mu'ad. Still doesn't have to go and pay for what happened before um, under the steward, um, but it will become a Mu'ad. So you see that Sumchos is in fact the same as our Mishnah. Alma en ma'amidina potraposta tam ligvot migufo. We say, we see in fact according to Sumchos, we do not appoint a steward in order to make him pay from the value of the animal. We only appoint a steward in order to make it, uh, to make it, uh, give it a status of a Mu'ad such that if it goes a fourth time after that, then someone will have to pay. And says where we do appoint a steward and they come and the witnesses come and testify in front of the steward even for the first three times you see that we appoint a steward right away so that they um, the someone will have to pay 
um, even for the gorings while it was a tam, and that it reduces the value of the um, the animal itself, the goring animal, because there is payment made. So although we saw in the Mishnah that there is no payment for while it's a tam, that was only the opinion of Sumchos, and Chachamim disagree and say we appoint a steward, um, and uh, and the steward will um, and well, 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 subject to the other machlok, it who has to pay, but payment will be given uh, to the nizak even for the short time. Now, the sefa the sefa of that baraita. Uh, what's at the root of their machloket? And the answer is the shut meshanaika benaihu sumchos sabar shut meshana verbiyoseh sabar shut enah meshana. It's the same machloket that we talked about before in the Mishnah, which is whether uh, a change in ownership uh, or change in custody um, uh, does that change its status. Sumchus says that a change in custody does change the status, and even though it became a mu'ad under the steward once the owner comes back to town, right? I mean, a lot of times, you know, uh, pets, whatever, they might uh, misbehave when they're when there's someone else taking care of them. But when their own owner comes back, then they'll be calmer and behave. So just because it acted um, in a violent way, a mu'ad under the steward doesn't mean it's going to act violent way when it has its owner back. And therefore, it goes back to being Tam. And that was the same as the opinion of Rabbi Meir in the Mishnah. And Rabbi Yosem says a change of custody does not change um, its status. And if it became Mu'ad under a steward, then it remains Mu'ad um, even after the steward, steward uh, grows up or comes back or becomes, uh, becomes hearing again. And the status does not change. And Rabbi Yosem is here is the same as the Rabbi Yosef in the Mishnah. Now that we see that the opinion of Chachamim is actually that a short time owned by a minor uh, does have to pay because you appoint an apotropos and so they have to be chas- pay chasinezik. Now we're going to see another Tana who uh, agrees with that opinion uh, combined with some other complicated factors. This Braita says that an ox of a deaf or um, an insane person or a minor that gores, Rabbi Yaakov pays half Nezek. Now, first we have to clarify. Rabbi Yaakov, what did Rabbi Yaakov do that he has to pay? It's saying anyone, any ox that gores, Rabbi Yaakov has to pay? What does this mean? No, Rabbi Yaakov doesn't have to pay. He is ruling that one has to pay chasinezik. Okay, I don't know what the original was supposed to mean and why it's recorded, even if it seems like to be completely a uh, mistake. Uh, maybe Ribakov was a apostropos for someone, and so that was the law that, I don't know. Okay, I'm not sure what the original context of that was. Anyway, now we clarified it. Ribakov rules that katan have to pay for they're sure that uh, that gores, and that is going to be Hasin Ezek. Now, let's figure out what cases are talking about in particular. Now, this would seem to be actually the simplest explanation that's talking about a short time. And the Biakov is telling us that, yes, he has to pay, and uh, even though it's short uh, But we don't accept that because we say this would be obvious. Everyone agrees that. Now, when we say everyone agrees, well, we did say that Chachamim uh, uh, thinks so, 
And so that is the opinion of the majority, but that's not quite everyone. Hey, what it seems to mean here is that, well, if it's a short time, then obviously you're going to pay chasi nezik. Uh, does anybody think that a short time is going to pay full nezik? So if it is a short time, then obviously you're going to say be chasi nezik. So just say that what is chayav, and then I'll figure out it's chasi nezik because it's time. If it's Moad, what kind of case is it? If the whoever was in charge did a the apotropos, whoever um, did a proper war, uh, a proper uh, a safeguard of it, then one should not have to pay. In other words, if you do, uh, you put walls, thick walls and everything, and you guard your ox well, and somehow it gets out. So it's anus, you shouldn't have to pay. And if he did not uh, guard it at all, then one should have to pay the entire amount. Why would you have to pay chasin ezek in a case of mo'ad, right? What could be possibly be a case of shor mo'ad where you'd only have to pay half? All right, so this is a good question. We're going to see a couple of explanations. Rava says, in fact, yes, it is talking about Mu'ad. And you gave me the opposite, the extreme examples of, of no safeguarding at all or full safeguarding. But actually, it's talking about where he did minimal safeguarding but not superior safeguarding. He didn't put up a nice big wall. He put a flimsy wall that a wind can come and knock down. He did something, but not quite sufficient. Now, how does that help us? Rabbi Yaakov, in order to uh, get to the Hasin Ezek, he has to make a number of assumptions and agreements with other Tanaim. As follows, Rabbi Yaakov, First of all, he's going to agree with Rabbi Yuda, who says that, when you pay, when someone has to pay full amount for a short mu'ad, half of it is still a payment as it, as you would pay if it was a short time. When it's a short time, you have to pay half and half half That payment continues even when it's mu'ad. You pay it with the same restrictions uh, from the body of it, um, uh, even when it's mu'ad. That's fifty percent of the payment. Only the other fifty percent, the, the added to to get to the full nezik. That is for it being Mu'ad, and that you'd pay from the best land. So really, it's uh, two half payments. And therefore, you'd apply the rules of, well, if it were Tam, would you have to pay? If it were Mu'ad, would you have to pay? Good. That's a very important rule. Now, he also, Rabbi Yaakov, in saying Hasinezik here, also agrees with another statement of Rabbi Yehuda. This is found on Daf 45b. Rabbi Yehuda says that in order to be liable to pay short, uh, as a short Mu'ad, um, it's sufficient that it be um, even a little bit, uh, a minimal safeguard. In other words, as long as you had minimal safeguard, you don't have to pay. Um, you don't need full safeguard for to be not liable for Mu'ad. If you did zero safeguarding, then you're um, liable to for Mu'ad. But if you did some safeguarding, then you don't have to. Okay, take those these two assumptions plus one more. Erbiakov agrees with Chachamim that we saw in the previous section of the uh, of this stuff, um, that uh, for a short time of Katan, the Betin appoints a potropos, and uh, they come, the witnesses come and testify in front of the potropos, and they do pay for a short time. Now, if we take all these together, 
uh, so let's see. We're talking about a case of a short mu'ad where someone did minimal safeguarding. Okay, so what will be the law? So the payment was, since a short mu'ad, half of it is as a tam and half of it is as a mu'ad. Let's take the short tam piece. Short tam, well, Rabbi Yaakov agrees with Rabbanan that even you appoint a steward and you pay for it. So there you go. That half you have to pay. What about the Mu'ad half? Well, Rabbi Yaakov also agrees with Rabbi Yehuda that as long as you did minimal safeguarding, you don't have to pay as a Shur Mu'ad. And therefore that half of it, you don't have to pay. This is what this is how Rabbi Yaakov got to Chassinezek. He's talking about a Shur Mu'ad. And uh, and uh, it's uh, simply that the only has to pay for the tam part, not for the mu'ad part. Gemara is going to ask in a little while, why not just say he's talking about a short tam? Wouldn't that be uh, um, uh, a simpler, uh, simpler explanation? Okay, but um, in the meantime, we have a challenge. Amar le Abaye, Abaye asks Rava, Vela pelige? Really? Are you telling me that Rabbi Yaakov agrees with Rabbi Yehuda? And he agrees on two different halachot that we just saw. Vehatanya shor shel cheres shotev katan shenagach. Rabbi Yehuda mechayev. Rabbi Yaakov omer hasi nezek hu dim shalem. Look at this beraita. Um, uh, this uh, that says ax of a cheres shotev katan that gores. Rabbi Yehuda says one is liable, which sounds like he's liable hundred percent. And Rabbi Yaakov says only hasi nezek. In fact, the first beraita that we quoted. Uh, up here, sounds like it's actually a piece of this, but the the Braita that we just quoted. Let's call this uh, the first Braita, right? Rabbi Yaakov says, Omer Meshalem Chasinezek. Um, let's call this the second Braita, where it quotes Rabbi Yuda, and then Rabbi Yaakov says, Chasinezek Kudim Shalem, right? So you see in the full context, um, if this is, uh, if Rabbi Yaakov above is just a snippet of this Braita, maybe it's a separate Braita. Anyway, this the Braita number two shows that there is a Machloket. So how, uh, uh, Rava, how can you say that Rabbi Yaakov agrees with Rabbi Yehuda when you see there's a Machloket here? Amar Rabba Bar'ula, Mashimechayev Rabbi Yehuda, Peresh Rabbi Yaakov. So Rabba Bar'ula comes to save Rava. And he says, no, he's only explaining. Rabbi Yehuda said one is Chayav. What is he Chayav? Rabbi Yehuda left that vague. So Rabbi Yaakov comes and says, oh, when Rabbi Yehuda said Chayav, don't think he meant full amount. What he meant is half the amount. And see, Rabbi Yaakov agrees with Rabbi Yehuda. And therefore, this makes sense for Rava. Rabbi Barullah is helping Rava. And by explaining that Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yaakov are in agreement. That's what Rabbi Yaakov has to rely on, two of Rabbi Yehuda's assumptions to get to this conclusion. Okay, good. All that is good. One good explanation for the Yaakov statement that one pays half nezek. But, just because he has an answer doesn't mean Abaye has to accept it. Abaye reads this Braita to mean that they are in disagreement. And if they're in disagreement, um, then uh, what is the disagreement and how can we explain the Yaakov? Because Yaakov has to disagree with the Yudha, so we can't say that he agrees with them on everything. So Abaye says, I agree, he's talking about a Shur Mu'ad. But not a case where there was minimal safeguarding, but rather in a case where there was no safeguarding at all. And we could still get to the Chassinek as, as follows. Rabbi Yaakov agrees with Biyuda on one point, but disagrees on another point. On the one hand, he agrees with the Biyuda that 
the payment of full nezek for a mu'ad is actually comprised of two components. Don't think that if when it leaves Tam and becomes Mu'ad, now you pay the whole thing from the best land and now it's considered just Mu'ad and the Tam status leaves is, is gone altogether. Don't think that. Rather, that the full payment of uh, Nezek Shalem for Mu'ad is made up of two components, half of it as a Tam and half of it as a Mu'ad. However, he disagrees on one point with Rabbi Yehuda, whereas Rabbi Yehuda thinks that we do appoint a steward for the short time of a Cheresh Katan, and therefore they have to pay from the value of the animal for the that for the chasinezek of tam, but Rabbi Yaakov disagrees on that point, and he thinks like our Mishnah that you do not appoint, and like Sumchos, and that you do not appoint a steward, and the chereshot of katan does not have to pay chasinezek for short tam, but rather only as muad. Therefore, so let's see the cases where it was a muad and there was no safeguarding at all. Now, according to the Biakov, do you have to pay as tam? No, because there's no steward and you don't pay for the half of tam. How about for muad? Yes, because it was not watched at all and so you have to pay for the short tam half. That's how you get half. So Arava and Abaya are actually opposite. Rava thinks that you have to pay for the half for the tam, but not the half of the mu'ad. Abaye thinks that you don't have to pay for the half of the tam, and you do have to pay for the half of the mu'ad. So Rav Acha tells, but Abaye tells Ravina, I understand Abaye's uh, explanation, the, where because he uh, he explained that second b'raita on top of this page here. Um, that they are arguing, I, that my explanation makes sense to me. According to Rava, who says that they're not arguing, why go through the trouble of saying that it's, talk, that it's talking about a mu'ad where there was minimal safeguard? Just say it was a short time. Why do you pay? Why do you have to pay chasin ezek? Because it was a short time. Wouldn't that be an easier explanation? And within this explanation of it being a short time, there's two ways of explaining the case of how much how much safeguarding it was. If you follow, uh, if Rabbi Yaakov in this aspect follows the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, it would have to be a case where he did minimal. Uh, um, where he did minimal safeguarding, but not very good safeguarding, because according to the Biuda, and this again, this is the Mishnah later on 45b, he says uh, there that a uh, short time, if you do maximum uh, safeguarding, then you don't have to pay. But if you do minimum sa- safeguarding, then you only do minimum safeguarding, then you still do have to pay. Um, for a short time. Not only if you do no safeguarding, certainly you have to pay for a short time, but minimal safeguarding also you have to pay for a short time. So then we can explain that it is talking about a case where you did minimal safeguarding, um, but not 100% safeguarding. Uh, and that's if you want to follow the Biuda. And if you want to be Yaakov, you can also follow the Eliezer ben Yaakov, um, that he did and he did zero safeguarding at all. Because he did agrees with Rabbi Yudah, and he thinks whether it's Tam and Mu'ad, 
Um, as long as you did minimal safeguarding, you don't have to pay. So if it was minimal safeguarding, you wouldn't have to pay at all. So it can't be that, according to Bialyaz, it would have to be when you did no safeguarding. And what would be the point of Rabbi Yaakov that before we said, oh, Peshita, well, his teaching will be teaching us something important that we follow the opinion that we do appoint an apotropos uh, for a short time of a cheresh or katan as such that you have to pay for pay, pay for it from the worth of the animal uh, that we're following the opinion of chachamim right so to say say simply if you want to follow rava that um, there's no disagreement um, in the second b'rayta above, uh, then you can simply explain this as being a short time, and it doesn't really matter what, whichever way you want to go. With it was a, uh, whether it was a half safeguarding or no safeguarding, and that would be a simpler explanation. Ravina answered him and explained. Well, yeah, if you explain that the that b'rayta, the second b'rayta, to say that he's in agreement with the uh, biuda, you have to explain why. What's what's the point? of it being agreement and in fact this is in fact one ruling but it has two elements of its reason and that's why you have to say it's a compound law it's talking about a short mu'ad and yes you're right for the but and and we have to add that we're he's following it to be Yehuda who says that you split the tam payment and the mu'ad payment the mu'ad payment is made up of two halves um so see since he since that second b'rayta says that Yaakov is following rabbi yehuda you have to explain that this is a case where he would need to follow rabbi yehuda if it's such a short time he doesn't have to follow rabbi yehuda he could follow to be elizabeth Yaakov also uh, with regard to um what case it is if it's what what level of safeguarding it is now since the b'rayta said he is following and explain Explaining Rabbi Yehuda, you have to say he's following Rabbi Yehuda in the sense that the full payment is made up of two halves and the short time part, yes, he pays for because um, he thinks that you do make a, uh, a steward and you pay that much. Um, but the Mu'ad part, you don't pay because it's uh, only a minimal, it's a, because it's a minimal safeguard and that is sufficient uh, to for, for Mu'ad and you don't have to pay. Okay. Ravina Amar. After all that, now we have a completely different explanation of the second Braita, the Braita that has records a machloket between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yaakov. And according to this explanation, it has nothing to do with what uh, with this uh, uh, Ravan Abayez issue. So it's much simpler reading. Reshut Benaihu. The difference between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yaakov is when it changes custody. The machloket that we already saw in the Mishnah, and we saw again with Sumchos and it's in a case where um, it is a short mu'ad, but the person, the owner, was deaf and got better, or was not sane and got better, or was a minor and grew up. The difficulty of this explanation is it didn't say that in the Braita. So you have to add in this, this uh, big okimta. But if you're willing to do that, then it reads simply, uh, says it remains Mu'ad. It became Mu'ad when the owner was a minor, and now the owner grew up and it gored someone after that. It remains Mu'ad, and that's why Chayav, meaning you have to pay full nezek, 
because it stays the same status. Yaakov says, no, once he was a minor and now he's an adult, or it's, uh, the guy, he got better, so now this is a change in custody, and therefore it go, loses Moad status and goes back to Tam, and that's why Rabbi Yaakov says, he only has to pay Chasin Ezek, Baruch Adonai Amen Amen.